Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. It's a Guy Jeans podcast. My next guest is Clay Milton. He's a blues rock prodigy, and you guys got to check him out, man. He's a ripping guitar player. He's got a killer voice, and he's only 27 years old. He started playing music live when he was 13 years old. He's got this killer raspy voice and wicked guitar licks, and he's grown up in the school of blues rock. Clay's recent release, Back to Blue, which was released in July of 2021, is being spun on more than 160 radio stations in the U.S. and abroad. As of August 21st, Roots Music, the number one independent music chart in the world, ranks Clay on the blues rock charts with the number one single in the world. That's pretty cool. He has played all over the place, and he's quickly establishing himself as a rising star, recently opening for Grand Funk Railroad and also Robert Cray and the platinum-selling artist Chris Daughtry. So without further ado, here is Clay Melton. Clay, how you doing? Great, man. Thanks for having me on. You bet, man. Um, I've been checking out uh, your music and your videos, and I'm super, super impressed, man, with uh, with everything. Just the production of your your videos and your music, and uh, everything that you're doing, man. It's uh, it's awesome at such a young age. Well, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, you're you're only 27. Is that what it is? I'm 29 now. Oh, 29. Okay, cool. And did you start playing music when you were real young? Yeah, yeah. I picked up guitar around 11 after being obsessed with Hendrix for for a year or two. And um, yeah, and you know what really, I took some lessons for the first year, year and a half, and then started playing in like, you know, me and my friend at the time, he played drums and was learning at the same time. So we started playing crawfish boils and block parties in the neighborhood and that's when i kind of started to fall in love with you know performing too no way so are you, was that in louisiana uh that was in texas in texas is that where you're at now in texas yeah i live in uh, houston wow yeah it looks like you just got off a whole string of shows is that right yeah just got home from about a month out on the road got to rescue my dog and <laughs> get some good uh <laughs> some good downtime what kind of dog you got he's a pit bull mix Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah, big boy. That's awesome, man. So uh, are you getting ready to do any more shows, or are you just going to be chilling for a little while? Uh, we've got some stuff lined up for the rest of the year, uh, some more regional stuff. We we spent a lot of time in the Northeast this year, um, um, throughout the year, but we're hitting Florida later in October, but we're kind of gearing up for studio work coming up. Nice, man. You uh, you started when you were really young playing guitar. Did somebody give you a guitar and you just started just jamming on it and and then took some lessons and that sort of thing? Yeah, my first like uh, experience with with a guitar. You know, I heard uh, my dad put on Hendrix yeah. guitar when I was probably like ten, and uh, that the solo and uh, his version of All Along the Watchtower really blew my mind. And uh, 
So I had this at that time already. I'd gotten like a Toys R Us electric guitar. <laughs> Sweet. Um, yeah, and it was like missing a couple strings, all out of tune. It had a speaker under the strings where a pickup would go. Uh-huh. But you turn on, you know, and it sounds like quote unquote electric and dirty. And so I, I just started like sounding out songs on that for for about a year until I'm sure my whole family was tired of hearing that racket. Uh, so when I was 11, I got like a knockoff Stratocaster for my birthday, and um, that that was really the first instrument I got to spend time with. So were you, when you were taking lessons, were you just like working on like, um, all the different chords and then scales and then kind of incorporate that into your, your, your riffs that you're doing now and, and solos and stuff? Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, I was, you know, learning, um, I wasn't learning too much, you know, proper theory or, um, how to read or anything, you know, you know, started like most beginner guitar lessons, but after a couple of weeks I came in, I was already, you know, from the music I've been, you know, exposed to growing up, I was heavy into classic rock and and blues and stuff already when I started guitar. So I came in like week three. I was like, "Teach me cocaine" by Eric Clapton, yeah. <laughs> and I had no reference for the meaning of the song. I just like I thought the riff was sweet, you know. So I, there I am, eleven years old, coming back to the car, and my mom was like, "Hey, I learned cocaine today." <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, and so you know, I, I, from there, but you know, uh, again getting to start to play for like, you know, local crawfish boils and stuff like that was, you know, that it's just the live environments where you learn the most. And a couple of years after that, I started going out to, you know, jams in Houston. And I'm just, I'm fortunate that when I was growing up in Houston, I, I, it's still this way, you know, we have a rich blues history and had mm-hmm. a very welcoming live music scene with <clears throat> filled with, you know, older players that were very, you know, welcoming to a kid coming on stage, first of all, and then also, you know, show me the ropes and how to share a stage and, you know, how to listen to other players and make room for all the music, you know, and yeah. those years were really, uh, really informative for me. Were people tripping out on you as a, as a young kid and how good you were playing? There, there was, de- there was definitely that, you know, <laughs> like, shouldn't, shouldn't have even been in the ice house, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, but, you know, it, all that kind of stuff always made me feel, because I never felt, like, as good as, you know, even, even though people trip out seeing a kid, and, you know, everybody does. You know, now sure. when I see a kid play, I'm, I'm like, holy shit, you know? <laughs> You're right. um, but, you know, it just made me feel like I needed to practice back then, you know? Were you, when did you realize that you were going to be doing this for your life? Man, it's from in the middle school going into high school, you know, I was, I was, my life started changing ways to where I was, wasn't doing what a lot of my friends were doing. You know, I was on the weekends and stuff, hanging out with friends. I was going and playing some ice house. It's somewhere, yeah. you know, in the country in Texas, you know? Um, and I loved it. And so like, it, it was definitely what I wanted to spend my time doing and, you know, getting closer to graduating high school. I had very, I lost interest in school very quickly. Like a lot of musicians, yeah. um, and just wanted to do that, you know? And, so I got out of high school and I still, you know, I was like, well, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll go to community college because I'm not doing anything else right now. And everybody said you should do college, but still couldn't find anything that like I that made me even like a per- percent ha- as happy as, you know, as playing music. And so I took a bunch of jazz courses. I took all the jazz courses I could in my first year of community college and then still couldn't find a major. I was like, you know what? A degree is not going to help me get on a stage, you know, so that's. Mm-hmm when I was probably, you know, um, 20 or 21, I, I made the jump to full time and 
started teaching music locally and got to spend more time, you know, working on uh, everything music. And I'm so glad I made that choice then and not later. Did some of those jazz classes and uh, help you with some of your your music as well? For sure. You know, because I I, I, I didn't just want to, you know, take those courses just to like, I I genuinely like jazz and enjoyed listening to it and hearing improv and stuff. And, you know, the the one parallel uh, not being extreme use of theory, you know, for like blues players that grow up in classic rock, it's more of a feel thing. Right. As people say, but but being able to compound that with, you know, the improvs uh, kind of like school of thought which as and stuff just kind of, you know, I've always seen theory as something that unlocks doors, but they're definitely not rules that you have to apply by, uh, abide by, you know, they're kind of meant to be broken. Right. Sure. Um, and so it, it, it just, it kind of expanded my options. It felt like. For sure. You know, I guess so. Like when you're playing on stage, are you doing any improvising at all? Like, oh yeah. 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 Sure. No, you know, we, uh, we arrange our songs to, to, you know the, the song is what it's about but within those songs the the solo sections are pretty much improv every night and we try and leave some sections in certain tunes to where we really take a left turn every time just to you know keep it fresh for ourselves sure and not only for ourselves but also to make it different for the audience every night i feel like it just it all like it makes it makes it a more special experience for everybody in the room are you you guys jamming sometimes and and you're like looking at your bass player and drummer? Hey, where's this going? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, there's, there's uh, for all of us, you know, because uh, someone will try something and you're like, I'm gonna hold this note until I know what's going on. <laughs> exactly, for sure. So, are you are you writing songs with your your band members? Or are you doing the writing, or how's that go down? Um, these days it's way more collaborative than it was in the beginning. Um, simply because I've had more of a steady lineup to where yeah. we've grown that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still, you know, kind of starts where I bring a batch of songs in. Um, but nowadays I, like before I had a really consistent lineup, I would get a little more, uh, intricate with the arrangements before I brought them to anybody. You know, mm-hmm. I program out the drums and things like that. Um, but nowadays I kind of like to bring in a more raw idea so I don't, put any you know um any thoughts in the other players heads before they get a chance to react to what's happening in the song you know and it ends up being more uh interesting that way you know it's just you know more minds is always better and people working with other musicians things will happen that you'd never think to do yourself you know so nowadays it's it's um the kind of telltale sign is the songs that i bring in you know if we are having enough fun jamming them to where we want to keep jamming them, you know, the next practice. And then I'm like, all right, maybe this is something we should stick with and, and really try and make into something. Dude, some of those uh, riffs that you're playing are so fat and like oh, cl- clever, man. And I mean, how do you come up with those? I mean, how's that go down? Like, are you just jamming and go, oh, that sounds cool. And you kind of make it up as you go, or is it something that you're hearing first? Yeah. It, I mean, it's still, it's still, how it's kind of always was is all the songs typically start with just me sitting down with the guitar, you know, a lot of times just acoustic. So I don't get mm-hmm. too lost in mm-hmm. why does this fuzz sound like shit and stuff like that. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, but you know, I mean, obviously with, um, home recording capabilities having grown so much, you know, 
when yeah. I first started writing songs, I was writing on a, you know, a Tascam multi-track, you know, recorder. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> and, and really, really doing it, uh, just kind of old school. And, um, mm-hmm. and so it's, it's fun to explore. I love working in the studio. Um, it just in a different way, you know, the live environment has all has been what's kind of driven our creative process a lot in the last, you know, seven years, um, is like, how do we get these recordings to kind of showcase and like, uh, really feel like what's happening whenever we just get into a room together, you know? So I, yeah. I, I'd like to keep it honest in the fact that we are a three piece, you know, and, and yeah. that's what you come in, when people come to the show live, that's what they're seeing. So we like to live within those kind of, uh, boundaries because like if we can make it work as a three-piece whatever the arrangement is mm-hmm. it's like all right we got the fundamentals working now we can get kind of experimental and see how far far we can push the envelope with just the three of us you know yeah i've always i've always tripped out on how a three-piece can make a band's it, it can sound so fat you know what i mean yeah i mean for you guys to be a three-piece i'm I'm sitting there listening to you. I'm how do they get that sound is so <laughs> fat. You know what I mean? It's so it's, it's, it's incredible. You know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the, the band, the police, you know, uh, yeah. you know how their, their sound is so fat as well. And, and I was thinking to myself, you know, if I, I went to one of your shows and I was in the audience, I would be like, Holy shit, you know, this is, this is a fat sound, man. And, you know, get ready. And I would, I would explain yeah. that. I would explain to people listening too, like to definitely go, you know, and check out your, uh, your videos and your, your albums and stuff, you know, just to, just to see somebody new that hasn't seen you, you know, it's really good stuff. The, yeah. Uh, y'all, y'all go, go ahead. Go ahead. The, uh, um, one of the songs, I guess, is this song that you're doing is called back to blue. Is that like probably your most popular song you think? Back to Blue did very well. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, it's, it's you, you know how it goes. Um, being in a band putting out music, it's, you never know what people are going to react to and how. You right, know? huh? Uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because um, that's a slower song, you know, um, but it, it was a, like one of the impetus tracks of that kind of recording phase, you know, and um, uh, so it, it's always interesting to see what people react to. And after Back to Blue, we put out a live album, uh, live in Texas. Yeah. And that, w- that was a really interesting kind of mission because it was our first release where like, you know, during the pandemic we worked on and recorded back to blue, but then the live album was really like the recording of that was one of our first performances back out since things started opening up again. And it was also, we debuted a lot of new material that hadn't been recorded on an album previously. So we introed it to our fans, you know, as yeah. a live track. And part of that was just for the fun of, I've always enjoyed, you know, listening to uh, a band that I fell in love with their uh, recorded album and then hearing the live version, you get to appreciate the different nuances and how the band's playing it live that night. So I wanted to try and take some of that and, and do the opposite really and, and present it live because like I said before, we were trying to capture that live sound. So what, what better way to do it than just to record it live, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, and then, you know, we toured that album for, for that year and um, in 2022, I'm sorry, and uh, and got, you know, a lot of feedback on the road from fans as far as what they responded to in the crowd and um, what they were excited yeah. about. And that's what kind of led us to record Runner uh, in the studio after the Live in Texas album. And you, know, you listen to those two versions and there are massive differences. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's kind of, you know, full circle for the process of the live in Texas is bringing some of those 
new songs that were introduced live into the studio world. How is it for you when you, you guys write a song? I want to, I want you to introduce the band as well, but yeah. How, how is it that when you guys write a song for the first time and then you guys play it in front of a, an audience, I mean, explain how that feeling is. It's all, it's always different, you know, cause yeah. every song, like some things make sense right away. Some things take time, you know? Um, yeah. And you know, just talking about the general like sadness of, of, a, of, you know, our three piece and how three piece can achieve that, you know, it's, it's all about the foundation and, and the rhythm section, man. And uh, mm-hmm. so I've been lucky to have uh, Zach Rinnell on drums. He joined uh, for our first debut album in 2017 um, and has stuck with me since. And he's just fantastic. You know, the first time I talked to him on the phone, I was just asking him about his influences and stuff. And he said, man, I like John Bonham, like to hit <laughs> the shit out of my drums. And I just want to play rock and roll. I was like, man, you sound perfect. We're going to get along. And we have. He's, he's been great, you know, and he really does hit the shit out of those drums. And it it, it adds to the sound, man. And the uh, uh, on bass, uh, Zach, Zachary Cox. And I've actually known Zachary since middle school. And we played in some uh, some other like hard rock bands in like high school. Um, and he joined the group about two years ago on bass and he's a fantastic multi-instrumentalist and guitarist first, which I, I love the perspective of having a guitarist playing bass. Um, cause he gets the objective of the three piece. He gets the relationship, uh, of what, uh, what bass does in this, you know, kind of, kind of group. But then, you know, he knows what, where kind of where my head's going with guitar whenever I'm introducing something or trying something, you know? Uh-huh. Um, so it's just a fantastic group. So when we write now, it's, we have a big policy of I'd, we'd rather try a new idea, even if everybody doesn't agree it's the right idea, rather than talk about why it's not the right idea, you know? Yeah. Because it's just the mu- music is so honest, and you you know right away when you hear something if it's working or not, you know? Right. Um, and so that kind of mindset has kept us, I think, creating, like, frequently and creating with more ease rather than – and you know, it's just taking the ego out of it, and it's nice. just – just about what's working for the song. It's nice to have uh, uh, bandmates like that, you know, where you guys can all work together and create without the ego and uh, and create cool stuff, huh? It's crucial, man. Yeah. Have you guys writing songs? Like sometimes, you know, I've talked to other songwriters uh, in the past that, you know, sometimes the songs just come together like really fast and those are like some of your best songs. And then some songs, it just seems like it just, you know, you're just trying to figure it out and it's just not working, but it does work eventually. Does that happen for you guys? hundred yeah. percent. Um, you know, it, it'd be nice if they were all fast. Right. But, um, but you know, it, it's a labor of love. It's, yeah. and that's kind of how I've used studio work versus, you know, and live has always been the biggest payoff to me. Like I get mm-hmm. the most from it, you know, and like, so all of our efforts have been like, let's get this music together so we can take it out on the road. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the studio, there's just as much gratification. It's just, it's a little more delayed and it's a lot more kind of just, it's a, it's more of a labor of love, like getting to that place to where you're happy with the recording. But it's also something that's been important to me from our first record is committing to, you know, putting your music out there. I think that's important for new artists or artists that haven't released anything yet. Mm-hmm. Um, is it's never it's never going to be done. It's never going to be perfect to you, you know. Yeah. Um, but but you know, I think uh, maybe it's Rick Rubin that says this. Uh, one of the great producers, but just yeah. how you know recordings are like a snapshot in time, and that song's never done growing. You know, it's uh, ah, always nice. going to continue to grow as long as you play it. You know, so 
you got to look at your recording instances like that. Now that that's not to say we haven't recorded thing, worked on a recording for a long time and then never released it, you know, um, because sometimes, sometimes it's just not right at that moment or, you know, that song wasn't what he thought it was, you know, yeah. it's kind of like you can sit, you can sit there and polish a turd as they call it. Um, but, uh, it's all about the fundamentals of the song. And that's kind of also why nowadays I'm just bringing more raw ideas rather than fully produced demos, you know, to just, make sure that the bones are, are healthy and, and fundamentally great before we, you know, spend hours and hours and hours trying to make it what we think it should be. And you've worked with uh, Grammy winner Danny Jones, who's done Stevie Ray Vaughan, Patti LaBelle, and Etta James. Is that right? Yeah, Danny's the man. So what, what's, what's it like working with him? Awesome. He's, you know, he's a, he's a drummer as well. Uh-huh. He, uh, he worked along, he was basically the, head engineer at Sea Saint Studios, which was Alan Toussaint's studio in uh, New Orleans for years. And so he saw so many, so many bands and like groups and artists that, you know, I've idolized growing up because I, I just love all the music out of New Orleans and yeah. uh, jazz and funk and stuff like that. And, um, but, you know, he's a drum instructor too. And so he's a great encourager in the studio. Um, and also I love working with people that understand drums because rhythm is so important, you know, yeah. Um, and so to be able to translate his skills as a percussionist and producer into how how does that build this guitar part we're trying to lay down, you know, mm-hmm. um, I love the perspective of a drummer. Um, and that's something everybody in the group thinks about a lot is what's happening rhythmically rather than just everybody playing their individual instruments. Yeah. Granted, I, I'm sure our drummer gets tired of us scatting at him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you guys mellow out. Yeah. 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 What's it, what, what makes a great producer? Do you think? I, I, I think it's that, I think it's being able to encourage, but call it like it is, you know, keeping yeah. it real, but, and also, you know, I mean, um, I've worked with a multitude of great producers, mm-hmm. um, and as a vocalist, it's super important of, uh, as far as how that workflow goes in the vocal booth, um, because you know, as a singer, you get so caught up in the in the smallest things of how you're saying something that yeah. it's easy to lose picture of like, is this the right melody, or is could there be something better? Because you're really just trying to nail what you think is right, you know. Yeah. Um, so I just think it it's it's driving the ship, you know, being able to keep the whole picture in view while encouraging one specific you know aspect of that song at a time what what advice can you give you know singers while they're in the booth and they're trying to you know get that tone or get that feeling you know which a lot of it is i believe right you know just just trying to get that feeling um inside the vocal booth what what advice could you give them as they're they're trying to lay down those tracks man i'd say you know and this actually happened during um one of the tracks on back to blue when I was working with Danny, you know, and it's something that you think is obvious, but I think it's, it's easy to lose sight of. Like I said, when you're thinking as a vocalist, singing a song, you probably sang a hundred so times already before you've gotten into the studio, laying down the final cut. Um, It's just, you know, you are telling a story to somebody that doesn't know the the end of the story yet. You know, you know what the song's about as a singer, you know, but, um, but it, if you really want them to feel what you're trying to say, then you got to put the feeling behind it. You got to, you know, you got to really emphasize on the words that mean something and not, not just saying the melody that you think sounds cool, you know, mm-hmm. um, some, and also, you know, that's what, uh, I think some of my favorite vocalists, you know, 
some some of my favorite uh, songs that they sing. Uh, like take a Stevie Wonder. You know, it ain't a perfect pitch. It's attitude. You know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, like when you're when you're in the booth, do you like sometimes like like imagine yourself? you know where the song is at kind of a thing you know like you're you put yourself there and then emotionally sing it that way definitely yeah there's something about putting yourself in the moment yeah um i also have this weird like uh visual in my head sometimes yeah um that kind of looks like you know like those visualizers for audio where you know it hears a wave and there's a line in the middle and it sends waves up and down right yeah um just like any kind of visualizer i kind of have that going on in my head for how i'm like shaping yeah notes if that makes sense sure and it's just like whenever i'm singing a note you know i'll try and do say we're just singing a verse i'm going to try and give it three or four passes and sing it pretty drastically different in each one because uh it's so easy to get lost in the minutia of like just trying to get the verse to sound right or just trying to get my voice to sing it the way I want it to, to where I'll end up with four takes of the same thing that isn't quite there, you know? So I'll sing it how I think it should sound the first time. And then the next couple of times I'll sing it in a way I've never sang it before. Yeah. Do you have to like in between, like, do you give yourself like one day, one song or do you sit, go in and you bust out a bunch of, bunch of songs singing a bunch of songs or do you have to rest your voice? We've done all kinds of stuff. Like our uh-huh. first album, we, uh, you know, we're working with a, you know, sort of a limited budget as far as how many days we had. So yeah. we did. <laughs> got to bust it out. Huh? <laughs> yeah. We, we did seven songs in seven days. You know, and in the <laughs> yeah. morning we'd start with the drums. By the evening we'd be cutting vocals, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, I liked that. You know, it gave me the full day to kind of like prep or like get my throat a rest and stuff like that. But then, you know, there's some processes where, where we'll be, I guess, you know, I've waited till the end of the process to do all the vocals. Sure. I like that, but, you know, sometimes you're like, man, I, I'm feeling in a good mood. I don't know if I want to, like, I, if I can even sing the sad song right now, you know? It's right, right. Middle, middle state can be a big thing, but uh, whenever you're working on a on a clock and stuff, you know, you just kind of got to show up. So, to me, it's, it's more about, um, it also helps so much, at least for me, if by the time I'm getting into the booth, the track is pretty realized. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's some producers we've worked with like to cut those vocals before uh, we get into layering the final guitars and stuff like that. But those final aspects and like when a track is a little bit closer to finished, just really helps drive home the emotion and makes me sing differently, you know? So yeah. it's, it's definitely case by case, I would say. So back to songwriting real quick. So when you guys sure. when you guys are uh, writing songs, and is there like a certain pattern that you guys follow, like a, a certain path where okay, here's the you know the riff in the beginning, and then you got verse one, and then you go to the pre-chorus and the chorus, and then etc. Is there is there something that you guys follow when you guys are writing songs, or is it just kind of you guys kind of go with the flow and it and go by feel kind of a songwriting way? Yeah, there's definitely no written. Um... Yeah. Like, you know, uh, specific, you know, arrangement style we try to go after. Yeah. Although we do tend to write, you know, in a pretty, you know, uh, what you could almost say is like a commercial um, format as far sure. as most of our songs are, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and then either yeah. bridge or solo or stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and that's usually just what end, ends up making sense to us in our heads. But 
So every now and then we'll be like, hey, not another song with verse two right here. You know, <laughs> let's mm-hmm. do something else. Um, but, you know, it used to be, like I said, I used to come in with pretty fully formed songs. But now I, I usually just come in with a vocal melody, maybe a general rhythm. Um, yeah. And then, you know, some chords or a riff and just start playing it and then we'll just jam it until it feels good and then maybe i'll start singing even if i already had the lyrics and melody stuff written you know Uh um just to try and kind of let the groove inform you know because whenever i'm if i'm writing the song first without any rhythmic you know uh any kind of rhythm in the background then I'll be a lot looser, a little bit longer with my melodies, but you know, you add a backbeat to something and the world can change. Yeah. Isn't it funny? Like, you know, uh, people, you know, fans, you know, some fans know, but I mean, they have no idea what goes into, you know, sometimes writing a song and what it takes and the creative process. They just see the final, the final polish thing when they're, when you're up on stage, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the sweat and grind, you know, in the practice room and rehearsing and all that kind of stuff, they just don't see it, right? <laughs> yeah, you're like, hope you like it. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, totally, man. So what's a what's a, it like performing for you in front of, like, you know, some of these audiences that you're, I'm, you know, some of the audience I've seen you perform in front of are, are pretty good size, you know? So, I mean, are you still getting nervous as you beforehand like a little kind of anxiety kind of a thing before you go and play which is really common i think with a lot of performers you know are you still do you still get like that i i would say um uh it's never felt so much as an anxiety is just you know natural nerves and kind of butterflies but yeah. it's kind of like an exciting type of you yeah. know yeah. nerves yeah um I'd say more than anything, it's usually like, uh, this is kind of silly to say, but, uh, you know, now that we've been touring more, uh, uh-huh. we do less, uh, at, in our home, uh, uh, town in Houston. And, um, so, you know, when we do do those, there's a lot more lead up to the promotion. There's just so much more lead up than like touring, you know, it's like next show, next show, next show. Yeah. Um, and so, and even though it's, you know, a crowd full of a lot of people that, you know, friends and everything like that, maybe it's that, you know, there's a different level of intimacy with the people in the crowd in our hometown shows. Like in yeah. the weeks leading up, I'll be like, man, I just hope this is better than the last show they saw, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so that those are like the shows nowadays where I find myself like maybe like getting in my head more. But um, but honestly, every time there's a, you know, a good crowd, it, it's just exciting. Yeah. What's the, what's the feeling for you? Like when the, when the crowd is totally into it, man, and like, is it a a really good high that you're feeling? Is it hard for you to come down after you come off stage? What's that like? Oh yeah. Those shows are definitely, there's, there's definitely that adrenaline rush. And then later on you're, you know, we're still wrapping our own cables up, you know? (laughs) So so that, that, that that brings you down to earth pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Right. For sure. Isn't that, isn't that a great feeling though, huh? Oh, it's, it's, I mean, it's great. It, it's, yeah. you know, something that all of us, you know, I think, you know, I said earlier, like the live aspect has always been the biggest payoff uh, for me personally, just as far as, you know, the, the um, excitement and yeah. the gratification and, and stuff like that. And I, I feel like the whole band feels that way. And so, and so I just, when the crowd's getting into it, just makes you get into it as a performer more, you know, 
Uh-huh. Um, for sure. And it, it's just, it's a great feeling, you know? Dude, it, it's, it's fun to watch you uh, perform for sure. What's the, what's the craziest thing that's ever happened to you, man? Like when you're performing or getting ready to perform or anything, is there any crazy stories that you can share? <laughs> Man, there's so so many things. It's yeah. like you know, <laughs> yeah. And you know what? It's usually um, it's usually stuff that's like outside of the the stage or the <laughs> music stage. It's usually stuff that's like, oh, our like generator just blew up, and now let's go play a show and forget about that till after the show. You know, right? Um, that and just the traveling. But you know, uh, <laughs> trying to take one on stage though. I did. <laughs> I've never said this in, a, in an interview. Well, cool. Um, when I was uh, probably 14 or 15. Oh, man. <laughs> I did. I was playing an ice house on the weekend. This place called Tut's Ice House in Conroe, Texas, where I grew up playing a lot. That's where we cut our teeth, man. It was a, it was, there was a garage door behind the stage. Nice. Um, and, you know, way too young to be in there, all that kind of stuff. But uh, I tried to do the, you know, the, the Steve Ray, like, you know, take your strap off spin around and then clip it back on and the guitars behind your back. (laughs) Um, But uh, I had forgotten my guitar strap to that show. So I had turned my belt into a guitar strap. And so as I spun around to to put the guitar behind my back, my jeans just dropped down to my knees (laughs) and and I'm just playing in my boxers on stage. It'd be a lot less cool if I like stopped and like picked up my pants. So I just like finished the solo, (laughs) you know, (laughs) just like, I'm just going to commit, you know, what what else can you do? Classic, man. That's awesome. I know some of those, like, uh, you know, those, those old clubs, I mean, think about how many musicians, you know, hone their skills in those, those dirty, underground clubs you know they're just you know only hold you know 50 people or whatever it is you know and you just you learn how to basically play your instrument and perform i mean what a blessing those little clubs are right oh yeah i mean i it it was extremely formative and just uh and also like grew my love for you know the grind you know because they're not glamorous you know you're doing everything yourself yeah. It's sweaty. There's no green room. There's no water, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and so, you know, but like, I also just, I don't know. I like, I liked the smell of a smoky bar from the first time I stepped into one, you know, <laughs> yeah. there was just something about it. I was like, well, this is where the OGs cut their teeth too. You know, Absolutely. this is a, uh, there's nothing fancy about it. And I think it's good. You know, I think uh, if we were to start playing, you know, arenas right away like you know maybe some pop artists do that blow up yeah uh from their first album you know would it change everything you know right um and so i think what keeps us grateful on the road keeps us working hard and also keeps us in check with like you know yeah like all of us have been playing our instruments for a while and we, we can hold our own on a stage you know musically but that doesn't mean that every idea we have is great you know sure and so it keeps everything real you guys have opened up for some, some big bands, man. Grand Funk Railroad and Daughtry. I mean, what was that like? Uh, man, that, those experiences are always wild. Those are like um, big crowds, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are definitely the ones where where you you like you know there's some in between some songs where you look at the rest of the band and everybody's got kind of got this holy shit face on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right on. Grand Funk is like one of those bands. Like you know, I was listening to them growing up. Uh, yeah. Featuring the classic rock, and so like watching them do their thing, you're just like is another perspective. Just like wow, they've been doing this for decades, and they're just yeah. so 
on top of it and, and so great at connecting with the audience and yeah. you just learn a lot just watching them do their thing. For sure. What was Daughtry like? Oh, well, first off, super, super nice human being. Um, you know, didn't oh, have to nice. give us the time of day, you know, but, um, but was happy to and um, very tight band, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's cool, you know, that's kind of like uh, I was just talking about artists, you know, that, you know, he, he had been a musician long before he was ever on, uh, I think he was on American Idol. Yeah, yeah. One of those, yeah. Um, and so, you know, he knew, he, he was a, he was a real deal before then, but uh, to see that, you know, even past all that success, you know, that down to earth and that the band was still, you know, focused on the things that matter, you know, is, is pretty um, inspiring. That's cool, man. So what's in the future for you, for your band? You got a new album and stuff coming out? Yeah, so um, these last two uh, singles that we put out this year were our first, like, in-studio, quote-unquote, um, songs. I say that because we recorded them just in my living room in Houston um, and sent them off to our producer, Sebastian Cure. And Well, I met him back in 2016, and we've worked together on uh, several projects since then, and uh, he actually introduced me to our current drummer, Zach Rindle, and um, so we're all great friends, but during the pandemic, he moved back to his home in, uh, Barraquilla, Colombia, where he's originally from and, and built out this awesome studio. And he's been trying to get us down there since he put it together. And so we're finally heading down there towards the uh, end of the year and going to put together all our music for next year's releases. And, uh, you know, it, I think it's going to be a real special, uh, project just given kind of, you know, I think musically where the band is at right now, yeah. uh, and in addition to working, a, you know, what's a beautiful place with, you know, new people, new experiences. And I'd love to get like, you know, some maybe Latin percussion or Latin brass incorporated into the project. Um, yeah. Some local musicians down there and just try some things, you know. Have you been out to California yet? Um, long time ago, but we haven't been out with this current uh, iteration of the band. Yeah, um, you kill it, man. Most, yeah, mostly just because it takes a day to get out of Texas, going well, <laughs> right? You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you'd kill it, man. On the there's so many blues uh, festivals and stuff, you know, and and blues rock festivals all over the place, and you would you would do really really well. Nice. Yeah, I man. love spending time out there. Yeah. So where can people find you? Like your handles yep. and stuff. Yeah. Go ahead and give that yeah. information. We're, uh, you know, all on all the social media, it's just clay Melton music. And then all of our tour dates, merch and music is all on uh, claymelton.com. Oh, that's easy, huh? Oh yeah. All right. on man. Hey clay, man. Thanks for being on my podcast and I wish you uh, way more success and in, in the future. And, um, I'm a fan now, man. So thank you very much, buddy. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. Talk soon. Cheers. It's a guy jeans podcast.